episode 159 of the Truth Quest podcast, the truth about the indictment of the National Democratic Party. Before we get started, I want to ask you to do me a favor and share the show. If you're on social media and topics such as government monopolies, COVID-19 vaccine, Senate filibuster, modern monetary theory, or local politics comes up, please share the topic-specific TruthQuest episode with your debate partner. Episodes are available on a host of platforms including iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, BitChute, Brighteon, ThinkSpot, Rumble, and Instagram where I post a short highlight of each show at instagram.com forward slash truthquestpodcast. Whatever platform you may be listening to this on, please take a moment and give it a five-star rating, hit the like button, or leave a positive review. Another way you can help grow the show is to throw a small donation my way at the TruthQuest podcast patronage page. All donations will be used to drive awareness of the podcast through online advertising. See this episode's show notes page at truthquest.podbean.com for details. And finally, please join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash truthquestpodcast. So I'm minding my own business watching President Biden lose another wrestling match with his teleprompter while he told the nation that printing more money will cure our inflation problem. Upon reflection of yet another National Democrat spreading lies, misinformation, and disinformation, I was reminded of a prescient rant delivered by South Carolina Senator Lindsey Graham at the conclusion of the Brent Kavanaugh Supreme Court nomination Senate hearings fiasco. He had this to say to his Democrat colleagues on the Judiciary Committee that were conducting the hearings and basically trashing Kavanaugh's reputation with unsubstantiated claims of sexual assault. No evidence, no affidavits, and no witnesses other than the liar or roundly misguided Mrs. Ford were presented. Here is Graham's brief comment. I cannot imagine what you and your family have gone through. Boy, y'all want power. God, I hope you never get it. Well, they have power now, and wow, are they drunk on it. In this episode, I'm going to present what amounts to be an indictment of the National Democratic Party. The main charges being considered include willful negligence, public perjury, criminal incompetency, conspiracy to destroy the Union, and violation of the Fourth Amendment. I'm going to present to you, the grand jury, the case against them. We will discuss their agenda, their policy prescriptions, their actions, their words, and their tactics. After listening, you as the grand jury decide if the evidence presented is sufficient to justify bringing charges against the party. Most of what I discussed today has been covered in previous standalone episodes of the TruthQuest podcast, so along the way I'll throw out those episode numbers in case you want to deep dive into any of those topics. I'm going to segment this presentation of the indictment into three parts. First, what the National Democrats advocate for, second, what the National Democrats oppose, and finally, the tactics they employ to realize their agenda. So here goes. First, let me just summarize the National Democrats' agenda. Their agenda is radical and in-your-face. Gone are all pretenses of bipartisanship and negotiations and compromise. They are completely intolerant of any dissension either from non-Democrats or from within their own ranks. They refuse to debate because most of their policy prescriptions can be destroyed in short order by anyone employing logic, reason, economic principles, and common sense. Rather than engage in a debate or a civil conversation, they choose to denigrate those who oppose their policies. Name-calling and character assassinations are the tools of the trade. Groupthink and conformity are required. 
The alphabet soup conspiracy media have for decades championed and parroted Democrat Party talking points, pushed the propaganda, and flat-out lied to their readers and viewers. And because of that, I am listing members of those media outlets as imaginary co-conspirators in this indictment. Check out episode 38, The Truth About the Democratic Party, where I took a little different tact at evaluating them. It focused more on their historical record as well as applied their current agenda against the Ten Commandments and against the concepts set forth in the Declaration of Independence. So let's start with what they advocate for. The number one thing they advocate for is division. They foster division along any line they can think of. Race, sex, gender, gender identity, immigration status, vaccine status, political party, wealth, your stance on climate change, or any other line of demarcation they can come up with. They think non-democrats are bad people with ideas, whereas the normals think that leftists, while maybe a bit nuts, we think of them as people with bad ideas. The line of thinking that your political opponent is a bad person evolved into Trump derangement syndrome. You know, Trump is vile, a racist, and the devil, a Nazi, misogynist, a white supremacist, a despicable person, divisive, dishonest, evil. I mean, just this past weekend, Chuck Schumer said, quote, he appeals to the dark side of human nature. Hillary Clinton called Trump supporters a basket of deplorables. Liberal talking heads and columnists riddle their broadcasts and websites with pejoratives about anyone who dares not think like them. This line of thinking absolves leftists from having to converse and or engage with non-believers in a debate because they are bad people, therefore not worthy of their time and attention. So the indictment includes the ugly practice of dividing the citizens and setting them up to hate each other. What else do they advocate for? Death, of course, i.e. abortion. I have produced several episodes about abortion if you are interested. Check out episodes 2, 33, 46, and 47, the last two of which I dissect the Roe v. Wade opinion. These people are pro-abortion. Screw the pro-choice moniker. That only serves to sanitize their belief in killing babies. Self-prescribed, devout Catholics like Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden claim to be members in good standing with the church while promoting a procedure that kills innocent life, something the church unequivocally opposes. What makes their position disgusting and evil is that they are not content with so-called choice. They are adamant about killing the baby any time up to live birth, and some are in favor of partial birth abortion. I don't use the word evil lightly here. One reason is shit like this. New York Governor Cuomo ordered one World Trade Center lit up in pink last year, I think it was, as the New York legislatures cheered upon the passage of an abortion bill allowing the killing of a baby up to the day of birth in some instances. And they now want to abolish the Hyde Amendment, which is a long-standing bipartisan agreement that says no federal tax dollars can go directly to pay for abortion. Some of you may remember the phrase about abortion, it, sh it should be safe, legal, and rare. Nope, the National Democrats want the law to allow the free killing of babies in the womb, even at taxpayers' expense. Hell, Hillary Clinton once said, quote, the unborn person doesn't have constitutional rights. And don't get me started on the leftist hero and founder of Planned Parenthood, Margaret Sanger. Their position on killing babies, my friends, is sick, twisted, evil, radical, worthy of scorn, and worthy of God's condemnation. 
So the indictment against the National Democratic Party includes aiding and abetting tens of millions of murders. What else do they advocate for? Well, clearly, vote fraud is right up there, but only when it favors Democrat candidates. They were so confident in their efforts to, shall we say, influence the results of the 2020 election that months before the election, do you remember how they warned us how election night would go down? Trump would have a sizable lead at the end of the evening, but that lead would be chiseled away at before Biden would win by a small margin. They literally laid that out for us. Multiple talking heads on the liberal side of the aisle did this. How did they know how it would go down? That wasn't enough, however. The first bill to be introduced in the democratically controlled House and Senate was H.R. 1, which is a bill that essentially federalizes elections, which is unconstitutional, and it essentially legalizes vote fraud. If you want to go deeper into this topic, check out episode 122, The Truth About the Pennsylvania Vote Count, and episodes 130 and 131, The Truth About the 2020 Presidential Elections, Part 1 and 2. So the indictment against the National Democratic Party includes charges of conspiracy to commit vote fraud via a series of orchestrated voting irregularities, illegalities, and improprieties. Along those same lines is the voter drive at the border that the National Democrats have been holding since Biden assumed office. By not enforcing federal immigration law and encouraging migrants to come to the country with the allure of free everything, we have seen unprecedented migration, which also comes with it death, rape, sexual assault of female migrants, and the manhandling of migrant children who are regularly abandoned in the desert or dropped over border walls to distract border patrol. Recently, the Biden administration announced that pregnant women who are illegal immigrants are welcome in the country. We'll pay the doctor's bills. Oh yeah, Democrats want the southern border wide open, but refuse to allow real asylum seekers from Cuba and Syrian Christians from emigrating. I wonder why. Check out episode 143, The Truth About the Voter Drive at the Border, for a deep dive into that subject. So, the indictment against the National Democratic Party includes charges of selective enforcement of federal immigration laws and thousands of charges of third-degree manslaughter due to the deaths of migrants who have made the trip at Biden's request. What else do they advocate for? Well, they've talked about packing the Supreme Court, eliminating the Electoral College, and abolishing the Senate filibuster, three things that hamper their ability to obtain and maintain power in perpetuity. Check out episodes 119, 34, and 155, respectively. What else do they advocate for? Well, they have developed a dual justice system to aid and abet their sinister and unpopular agenda. They have one system for well-connected Democrats and one for everyone else. They have used the monopoly power of government. Check out episode 158 on that. They have used that to weaponize federal law enforcement to conduct politically motivated prosecutions. They use that power to push for the investigation of a person looking for a crime rather than investigating a crime looking for the person who committed it. Look no further than the harassment of Donald Trump and his associates. Look at the never-ending investigations and incarcerations of the January 6th Capitol Hill trespassers while the Justice Department ignores rioters, looters, and arsonists from BLM and Antifa from the summer of 2020. We've had prominent Democrats like the Vice President raising bail money for those criminals last summer. Look at lifelong criminals like Bill and Hillary Clinton 
two of the more despicable people in modern American politics. I mean, from accusations against Bill for sexual assault and his dealings with Jeffrey Epstein, to Hillary's illegal private email server, to the Benghazi fiasco. They are as dirty as they come. Not to be outdone by Joe and Hunter Biden, however. Check out episode 118, The Truth About the Biden Crime Family, for a deep dive into that topic. We have a never-ending list of high-profile Democrats like John Brennan, James Comey, Andrew McCabe, Kevin Kleinsmith, Peter Strzok, and Lisa Page, who have all committed perjury or flat-out broken the law for illegally unmasking U.S. citizens or falsifying law enforcement documents, and nothing happens to them. So the indictment against the National Democratic Party includes an assortment of charges from selective enforcement of the law to public perjury and the falsification of documents to the most important thousands of violations of the Fourth Amendment. What else do they advocate for? The bankrupting of the country through the printing of money by the Federal Reserve to pay for trillions upon trillions of dollars of spending bills and handouts to the American people, and for that matter hundreds of countries around the globe. Additionally, they advocate for the loss of the U.S. dollar as the world's reserve currency and the likely collapse of that currency. Check out episode 154, The Truth About Modern Monetary Theory, if you're interested in, on the monetary side of this argument. The result of this expansion of the money supply is inflation. The result of inflation is rising prices because you have the same amount of goods being chased by more dollars. Have you been to the grocery store this year? They advocate for the killing of the U.S. economy as well, with COVID lockdowns, paying people not to work, killing the Keystone XL pipeline, while at the same time greenlighting the pipeline in Russia that both Obama and Trump opposed, and of course, the economy killing Green New Deal legislation. So the indictment against the National Democratic Party includes willful negligence, criminal intent, criminal incompetence, and conspiracy to take down the currency and the economy. The indictment also includes a request for compensatory damages for all small business owners who lost their business as a result of the extended lockdowns. What about the Constitution? What about it is the usual refrain from the National Democrats. The Constitution has been so bastardized over the last hundred years that the concept of limited power in D.C. as prescribed by that wonderful document has been all but erased. The power is so vast and the money so massive that it warrants the do-whatever-it-takes-to-maintain-power mentality that we see employed by the National Democrats, even if that means the bankrupting of the country, even if that means committing epic voter fraud, even if that means millions of illegal immigrants pouring into the country, even if that means packing the Supreme Court, eliminating the Electoral College, abolishing the Senate filibuster, even if that means censoring dissent, even if that means the censoring of dissent, even if that means the corruption of the justice system. When it comes to the Constitution, the National Democrats consider pushing blatant unconstitutional legislation to infringe upon the Second Amendment. How about their push for socialized medicine? Health care ain't in the Constitution. Think back to Obamacare. No Republicans were allowed in on the negotiations. No compromise. No GOP voted for it. Obama and the Democrats repeatedly lied to the American people about keeping your doctor and lowering your costs. So the indictment against the National Democratic Party includes charges of violating their oath of office to support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies foreign and domestic. In a nutshell, the National Democrats are totalitarians and bullies. Their totalitarian nature has been suppressed for decades, but COVID brought it to the surface. In the United States of America, we should very rarely hear the word forced. We are not forced to do anything by the federal government because of our constitutionally protected, God-given rights of liberty and freedom. 
And despite this, we have been subjected to lockdowns and mask mandates and power grabs by Democrat governors and mayors, calls for forced vaccinations. The same people who chant, my body, my choice, explain that expelling a baby from their body is a choice, but forcing or shaming people to inject a brand new unproven vaccine into their body is not. Shaming the unvaccinated with calls for making life hard for them, calls for vaccine passports, calls for government contractors to go door to door to push the vaccine. So that's some of what the National Democrats advocate for. Now let's look at what they oppose. The National Democrats oppose being opposed. Anything and anyone that interferes with the things that they advocate for are to be opposed. It's like a petulant child who gets told no. Unlike the child's behavior, that of the National Democrats is dangerous to other people. For example, think of their collective reaction to the BLM Antifa riots in the summer of 2020. BLM is a Marxist organization. It's right there on their website, or it used to be until people started pointing to it. And there are plenty of clips on the internet where BLM leaders expressly say that they are Marxist. But don't you dare say that, we were told by the National Democrats and the member of the press brigade. You are a racist. Hell, according to the current president, Antifa is an idea. Yes, Biden actually said that in one of his debates with Trump. How little must he think of the electorate to utter such clear nonsense? And to my knowledge, he has never taken back that statement or corrected it. How can he? It would violate the rule of opposing those who oppose them. Now I can hear some of you out there saying, are you condemning all Democrats? The answer is an emphatic no, with one exception. There is zero pushback from any prominent Democrats or non-prominent ones. There's no pushback on the National Democrats' clearly radical, clearly anti-American, totalitarian, anti-free speech, country-bankrupting agenda. Part of me understands why, because dissent is not allowed, even within their ranks. Only forced conformity. And for those everyday Democrats, the Normocrats as I call them, they don't have to go far to have the agenda reinforced into their psyche. The alphabet soup conspiracy media will allow them to consume bias-confirming, slanted coverage and analysis of the world, allowing them to never come out of their bubble. But the part that scares me about the Normocrats is, how can they continue to to support a party that is so far outside the boundaries of what the majority of the well-informed, or at least informed by logic, reason, morality, and the Constitution believe. I once had a conversation with a lifelong Democrat, someone very close to me, someone I would call a Normocrat. I think it was during George W. Bush's administration. I don't remember the exact circumstances, but we were talking about the latest news out of D.C., the Democrats were up to their usual shenanigans, being a good opposition party, and I said something like, what do you think about what the Dems are up to? This person's response was something like, I don't care as long as it's my team doing it. And therein lies the heart of the problem, I think. The team. The team. My team is my family. My team is my community. My team is my state. My country. If your team is the Democrats or Republicans, might I be so bold as to suggest that your priorities seem slightly out of whack. In addition to opposing anything and anyone who opposes them, the National Democrats oppose anything that is an obstacle to their agenda, to their gaining and maintaining power. You can boil it down to anything that limits the power of government. So that primarily means limiting government spending. They oppose all efforts to enforce the border because that is an impediment to their voter drive. They oppose the Senate filibuster because, say it with me, 
It's an obstacle to them getting what they want right now. They threatened to pack the Supreme Court. Why do they do that? Same reason they threatened to pack the Supreme Court. How do they get away with this? In order to answer that question, let's start with the tactics they employ. The primary playbook for the National Democrats is Saul Alinsky's Rules for Radicals. The book outlines 12 rules to get your way in the political arena. I'll run through a few of them here and see if these sound familiar. Rule number five, ridicule is man's most potent weapon. There's no defense. It's irrational. It's infuriating. It's all, it also works as a key pressure point to force the enemy into concessions. Rule number eight, keep the pressure on, never let up. Keep trying new things to keep the opposition off balance. Rule number nine, the threat is usually more terrifying than the thing itself. Imagination and ego can dream up many more consequences than any activist. Strawman arguments are perfect deployment of this strategy. There are people who say, some people oppose this policy. We must do something or else. And rule number 12, pick the target, freeze it, personalize it, and polarize it. Something more powerful than Alinsky could have ever fathomed is now being employed by the National Democrats big tech censorship of anyone who opposes their narrative or their agenda. Check out episode 126, The Truth About Big Tech Censorship, and episode 132, The Truth About the Great Social Media Purge of 2021, if you're interested in a deep dive. Cancel culture is running rampant. Narrative management is in full swing, Soviet style. I mean, the New York Post was banned from social media platforms in the lead-up to the election because they ran a true story about Hunter Biden's laptop. A story that to this day has been covered up so well that if you ask your next-door neighbor Democrat about it, they will legitimately have no clue what you're talking about. It's quite extraordinary. So I guess Alex Jones and Milo Yiannopoulos should feel better about their banishment from Facebook, Twitter, or YouTube because even the former president of the United States of America has been banned. Here is why I'm discussing this topic in this episode. The federal government is conspiring with big tech by dictating to them who to censor. They are directing the censorship. Dr. Fauci's email with Mark Zuckerberg proved it, and Jen Psaki's own words in recent weeks exposed the collusion between the White House and at least Facebook. So the indictment against the National Democratic Party includes a charge of violation of the First Amendment, conspiracy to limit free speech, and collusion with private company to limit free speech. Tactic number two of the National Democrats, racism. It's everywhere. The National Democrats claim the country is systemically racist, while at the same time promoting racism and legalizing discrimination. Every other word out of the mouths of prominent Democrats is racism. These people obviously never read the book The Boy Who Cried Wolf. The ironic part about the National Democrats' agenda is they actively promote discrimination against white people, Cubans, Christians, Indian Americans, and any other group that is perceived to lean Republican. So the indictment against the National Democratic Party includes charges of violation of federal discrimination laws. Another tactic employed by the National Democrats is control of the education system, both lower education and higher. When it comes to lower education, what do you think critical race theory is all about? Hate America. Hate people who are different from you. Why would a group push a curriculum that teaches the youth to hate their country? Why not just teach the history of the country rather than distort it? The 1619 Project is along the same lines. And of course, 
College campuses are cesspools where the only thing that grows is Marxism and communist sympathizers. Why anyone would send their kids off to a four-year college for a BA degree is beyond me. And if you do, you better keep tabs on them. If you're interested in a deep dive in CRT, check out episode 150. Another tactic of the National Democrats is to serve as verbal arsonists who perpetuate perpetual turmoil, outrage, and planned chaos. They are quite adept at starting verbal fires everywhere for no reason. Masculinity is toxic. Being white is a privilege. The country is systemically racist. Trump is a Nazi, and by default, so is anyone who supported him. If you don't agree with the global warming, global cooling, climate change, extreme weather slogan, you are a denier. When it comes to abortion, infanticide is a choice. If you disagree with that, you hate women. COVID, the Delta variant, Governor DeSantis is going to get people killed. It never ends. At the end of the day, if you study the left long enough, you can only arrive at one conclusion. Many of them are inflicted with politically induced mental illness, as I described in episode 136. What else can explain why people support, endorse, and pursue the policy prescriptions we've discussed thus far? Think about defund the police. Why do you think the crime rate is higher in blue states and blue cities? I contend that is because the Democrat mayors and city councils are stupid enough to believe the inane rhetoric emanating from the National Democrats. Think about it. In Mayor Lightfoot's Chicago, you have an average of 20 dead every weekend from gun violence, and yet Chicago gun laws are some of the strictest in the country, and her solution is to send less police to 911 calls and more social workers. The apparent mental illness continues with policies like, in California, they essentially legalize shoplifting as long as you don't steal more than $950 at a time. You have towns and states declaring themselves a sanctuary for illegal immigrants. Men can be women, and women can be men. Men who identify as a woman can compete in women's sports and use women's bathrooms and locker rooms. Men who identify as women in California prisons can now request to move to a woman's prison. And the state makes birth control available to the women in those prisons. Look that story up. It's crazy. Here's another characteristic of the National Democrats. Their obsession with death and destruction. Death of the individual. Death of our society. Death of the country. Death of freedom and liberty. Death of babies in the womb. The language. They love to control the language. I've already mentioned it. White privilege, which is actually episode 69. Birthing person. Instead of saying mother, you say birthing person. They say words are violence. They require personal pronouns. As I've said over and over again, killing babies in the womb is a choice. Trespassing is an insurrection. I mean, come on, this shit is lunacy. How do the National Democrats get away with it? First, there's no real opposition party in America. We do not have two parties at the national level. We have a uniparty. They all share the same donors. Let's be honest. The National Republicans are worthless. The only difference between the two parties is the National Republicans are not radical in their pursuit of their agenda, which is worthless these days anyways because when they are in power, nothing changes. When in power, the GOP always spends more money than the previous year. They never close or abolish unconstitutional agencies. They do not clamp down on illegal activity like the NSA spying operations, and they continue to finance undeclared unconstitutional wars. How is that any different from the Democrats? The second reason the National Democrats can get away with it is the complicit alphabet soup conspiracy media that parrots Democrat talking points, and rather than report the news, they present slanted and biased coverage while claiming to be legitimate news outlets. 
The point is to manage the narrative. The media establishment does that for the National Democrat. Just think about the Trump years, the lies and propaganda that were repeated over and over and over again. Think about the lies and propaganda that are being spewed today about COVID and the vaccine, as we have already discussed. What happens to the viewers of these propaganda arms of the National Democrats over time? The accumulative effect of the lies and propaganda essentially breeds mobs of ill-informed, useful idiots. The media and the National Democrats feed the hate and encourage the weaponization of their ill-informed and ignorant followers against their ideological opponents. Prominent National Democrats have encouraged their voters to get in their face or get more confrontational, all in the name of making non-Democrats out to be bad people with ideas rather than people worthy of respect with bad ideas. So what's the solution? Well, voting the bums out is no longer a viable alternative. There's too much power and money in D.C. As I've already said, there's very little difference between the Dems and the GOP. But when you think about it, the GOP, they don't talk down Americans. They don't talk about how terribly racist the entire country is. They don't impugn 50% of the population just because they vote for the other guy. They don't believe in censoring people who don't agree with them. They don't pursue vote fraud schemes and lie to the American people about the history of the country or, th or threaten people to take an unproven vaccine. They don't act as totalitarian dictators who knows what's best for everyone. They don't try to change the language. I've said it before, the nation is split ideologically. One side of the ideological aisle wants nothing to do with the other. In fact, they just want to control them. There is no desire to coexist despite the liberal do-gooder bumper sticker. They simply want the other side to submit. Submit to their agenda. Sit passively by while they continue to dumb down their electorate so they will pull that lever. Sit passively by while they recruit millions of illegal immigrants into the country. So, what is the solution? Well, there are really only two choices. Well, really one when you think about it. The first one is nullification, the subject of episode 23. This is where the states simply ignore all unconstitutional laws and executive orders coming out of D.C. It's important, but D.C. can blackmail the states with all the money they send out. In my mind, the best solution is secession. Just split the country up into three or four separate countries. Let the lunatics have the West Coast and New England and Chicago, and let the rest of the country live their lives as they see fit. Why should the normals be forced to associate with a group of power-hungry people who have pursued harmful policies and even broken the law? I produced two episodes on this subject of secession, where I explain it in detail and dispel all the common objections. Check out episodes 87 and 88. Suffice it to say, the idea of secession has become mainstream, with a recent poll showing that 47% of West Coast Democrats and 60% of Southern Republicans are in favor of a plan to secede from the United States. And honestly, folks, I see no other solution whereby the country survives. We simply split up into three to five or ten separate nation states and go on our way. Because of the effectiveness of the National Democratic Party's tear-it-all-down policies, we have no choice. I, for one, think it would be a wonderful outcome. The more decentralization there is, the better. So, members of the grand jury, I ask you if this sounds like a mentally stable political party capable of executing its duties in a manner that, at the very least, does no harm to the country and their constituents? Or does it sound like a mentally unstable and or evil political party that for some reason has decided to only implement policies that cause harm to some part of the electorate and or the country itself? 
As a member of the grand jury, do you find enough evidence to support the bringing of any or all of the charges, including willful negligence, public perjury, criminal incompetency, conspiracy to, to destroy the Union, and violations of the First and Fourteenth Amendment? And that is the truth about the indictment of the National Democratic Party. Please join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash truthquestpodcast.